we've experienced some very slow changes in our economic, educational, and justice systems, but white supremacy seems to keep coming back every time, like the evil villain that goes underground but doesn't die. Racism can't really be separated out from the United States form of capitalism. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. So Cindy, today we're going to discuss capitalism and racism. Yeah, it took us four years to get to this topic. It's been a pretty hard one to wrap our minds around. Yes, but a really important one. It's not easy to see how these two things are so intertwined and inextricably related to each other, but we're going to try to explain it. It's not easy, and yet it's very simple. Okay. (laughs) Inequities are built into our capitalist system, and here's how. The trading of human slaves allowed people at the top of the pyramid scheme that is capitalism to accumulate a massive amount of wealth. In capitalism, There are a small number of owners and managers on top of a large base of workers. Wealth is concentrated in the top 10% of all races. And if you add a pyramid of races, wealth is concentrated further by white capitalists. Not surprising so far, (laughs) but let's reflect on that for a minute. Imagine that pyramid with the few wealthiest at the top. Now imagine another one with all the races according to their wealth, both would have a small number of white men at the very top. That is the basis for how capitalism and racism are mutually dependent. Good explanation. It's hard to look at our own system in these ways, but hear us out. Centuries of buying and selling humans and the resulting wage and land theft created enormous wealth for a small percentage of people. And the saying that the rich get richer had to come in part from the fact that these wealthy owners of human beings could also claim them as lost cargo and be reimbursed. And they were the ones who were paid reparations after emancipation because they could no longer make as much money as before. Well, boo-hoo. The bailing out of the banks instead of bailing out the people is the same thing. That's interesting, too. I just want to think about that for a second. Banks and people are equivalent, but Black people are not equivalent to banks and white people. Anyway, so as you can see, racism, I mean, as we've talked about many times, racism became fully entrenched in the United States capitalist system. The concentrated wealth of slave owners was used to shape our economic and legal systems in their favor, since they had all the power and did all the shaping. This doesn't even sound anything like democracy, does it? Um, No. One of the best tools we have to increase economic justice is organizing workers, but economic justice hasn't really advanced racial justice. A lot of unions integrated in the 20s 
but plenty of them resisted integration to make sure white workers got the best job opportunities and the best work deals. The movements for racial and economic justice have worked hard to expose the exploitation within capitalism and they've pushed and they continue to push the system to change in little ways. But also while it changes, it keeps finding new ways to maintain racism and exploitation, such as when chattel slavery, the actual owning of a person, morphed into the black codes that made it possible to capture recently freed slaves and put them in prison where they could be made to labor for no compensation again, just like slaves. And the loophole in the 13th Amendment that allowed incarcerated people to be used as slaves. Well, capitalism clearly was never meant to work for everyone. Right. It was created by white men and it was meant to work for them only. Right, Julie. But here's the thing. It's not like getting rid of capitalism would get rid of racism. Any economy we come up with would need to intentionally support all workers of all genders, ethnic groups, races, etc. Because racism is so entrenched in our way of life, any system we come up with will also be racist unless we work to make it anti-racist. Right. Changing our economic and other institutional systems would be most effective if we listen to the voices of all types of people and really work together to figure out how to do this in ways that would be entrenched in justice and equity instead. But as you might imagine, haha, not everyone, I'm talking to you wealthy white men, are all that interested in making these changes happen. But that's a whole other podcast. Yes. When you look back and see slavery at the foundation of United States capitalism, you can't help but seeing it weaving its way all through history and up to the present day. Racial capitalism refers to racism as a technique for exploiting black people and for stoking the hostility of working class whites toward black people. This has enabled white capitalists to pull labor and wealth from everyone. Right. Poor working class whites have been gaslit too. Lied to, they don't even know it. They're not respected by either group because they side with the slave masters, or in other words, the rich white capitalists who also exploit them and keep them hating the black people so they feel like they have a leg up. Look at the people in our white ghettos. What do they have? They get their anger stoked by Fox News and other right-wing media, but they don't get what they need to benefit financially. They're held down too. Absolutely, they're not going anywhere. A lot of the men who we were taught were heroes of American history were actually sexist, racist, and greedy, even presidents. Abraham Lincoln, who we were taught was so honest, he once walked miles to return a penny. Did you learn that? No. That's no? Maybe a penny was worth a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, and he supposedly studied hard by candlelight in his log cabin, but I'm not sure what he was studying because... As his first presidential priority, he was catering to white supremacists and imperialists. That makes me very sad to, to hear that about oh. Lincoln. You know, I know it's true. Can we say they didn't know better, some of these people who also did good things? I mean, maybe they matured over time. I think Lincoln learned during his presidency some, I don't know. They did good, to, I don't know what to say about that. 
<laughs> yeah. I've resisted knowing this stuff for so long too. Don't we all want heroes? Yes. I finally figured out that the real heroes are people we never learned about who tried to buck the white supremacist imperialistic agenda. Yeah. All along, black, indigenous people of color, they've been exploited by white capitalists every step of the way. From the days of colonialism and plantations to the redlining that kept black home buyers from white neighborhoods, aggressive policing, mass incarceration, job discrimination, and basically in modern day slavery. Yes, capitalism evolved from societies already filled with racial discrimination. It started even before European and then United States traders used slaves to grow their wealth. So the problem is racism and capitalism go together. Just creating the idea of race, an invented concept that people are different because of the color of their skin, helps create hierarchies that sustain the profit margins of corporations. Even though changing from one economic system to another won't automatically end racism, Significant policy changes would help black and minority communities. They've had to find a lot of the way forward on their own, but society can and should do a lot more to change things. I agree. We have had some wins over time. We've experienced some very slow changes in our economic, educational and justice systems, but white supremacy seems to keep coming back every time like the evil villain that goes underground but doesn't die. Racism can't really be separated out from the United States form of capitalism. It's true, but we keep trying to do things to make our capitalist system less racist. That is true. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was supposedly one of the reasons slavery was abolished, but not all abolitionists wanted to end slavery because they were anti-racist. Lots of people have made strong progressive efforts to make our system less racist, such as by passing laws about non-discrimination in hiring and wages. But greedy people always find new ways to continue the wage gap, the housing gap, the education gap. It sometimes seems like just one big gap. <laughs> it's not possible to end white supremacy or patriarchy within capitalism. They're too intertwined. So there's a long way to go to make changes in systemic racism and our capitalist system can't really be reformed. It has to be, and I know you don't wanna hear this people, it has to be dismantled and rebuilt. And in the rebuilding, we'd not only have to come up with a fairer economic system, we'd have to rebuild intentionally without the racist roots. Can you even imagine doing that in the United States? I wish. Racism is everywhere, even without capitalism. Other kinds of economies can be racist too, and anti-Semitic and Islamophobic, whatever. Martin Luther King Jr. preferred democratic socialism, as did Bernie Sanders. But democratic socialism is a form of progressive capitalism, still capitalism. And whether we change to that or another form of socialism or some other system more fair than what we now have, we'd still have to intentionally wipe out the racism. Right. And in the meantime, what really stops us from making sweeping changes that could actually help people, like creating more jobs in neighborhoods with high unemployment rates that actually pay a living wage, 
and make the necessary changes in our healthcare system to take care of people? Why can't we change the educational system so that it stops being a way to sort people into prisons versus employment? And all of this wouldn't make us less capitalist, but it could make us less racist. And what if we took our abundance of wealth, of food, of knowledge and resources and shared it? Wouldn't that help us all live better, safer, healthier lives? I think so, but I believe there are many, many people who disagree with that. Mm -hmm. But it does seem so much better, if you think about it, than the violence that we've enacted on other people in order to turn common resources into private wealth. Yes, my biggest example of that is when I took a trip to Africa about 10 years ago. One of the things that stood out to me was that the Africans didn't have access to large stretches of their beach. The beaches and beachfronts were reserved and blocked off by tourist accommodations. So from one place we stayed, I could see the beach out the front and Africans playing soccer in an abandoned lot out the back. It was hot out, but they had no access to the water, at least anywhere near where I could see. Wow, that seems so unfair. Um, I'm afraid it might have partially at least ruined your vacation. <laughs> yeah, I still think back on that a lot. I, that was a big takeaway for me. But you don't have to go on vacation to see that kind of inequality either. I mean, to Africa, it's the same here too. Private beach homes and hotels take up large portions of our beaches. Who made it so the natural beauty of the country belongs to private citizens like that? Why not build just a block or two in so that everyone could get to the beach? This is also true around lakes and other areas. Well, Karl Marx talked about this primitive accumulation, that's what he called it, where things that used to be shared are stolen for private gain. Capitalism started off this way and continues its land grabs and wage grabs today. And aside from the land, all kinds of wealth continues to be taken from other people. Capitalists search the world over for the best places to find people who will make things we need at the lowest prices that will bring them the biggest profits. A big reason it's hard to take racism out of the mix is that any form of capitalism needs two classes. The capitalists who own the means of production and the workers who have to sell their labor to make the profit for the capitalists. And for these divisions, for this to work well, capitalism has depended on a hierarchy of citizens to do the work that the capitalists don't do. Gender, race, and whatever other divisions can be created are used to make hierarchies of value and power which leads to exploitation for big profit. Right, different levels of people are created to do different kinds of work. People are made to be seen as more or less valuable or worthy than others. The more dangerous, more difficult, more dirty type of work that are offered for low wages, those are offered to the people at the lowest places in the social hierarchy. And then, the capitalists get everyone to believe that this hierarchy is necessary and real because they justify that those who are doing the low level work and hard labor are supposed to be doing it. It makes sense. It makes people feel justified in deciding who deserves to be at the top of that pyramid, of that capitalist pyramid and who doesn't. It's not just US capitalism, it's capitalism everywhere. Yeah. In our country, actually in a lot of countries, this ends up being 
Black people, people of color, minorities, and immigrants. People who work hard and need the work to survive and take care of their families, working for low wages in poor working conditions with less job opportunities and even excluded from some labor unions, while families at the other end of the hierarchy are taken care of by the hard work of those who are working. This has really been highlighted during the pandemic, hasn't it, Cindy? The fact that these divisions and hierarchies are made up, they are socially constructed. We saw that the people who do some of the most vital work in society, yet are of course the least valued and the least well-paid, are the ones we all depended on to keep our world running. In addition to the doctors and nurses in the hospitals, there are thousands of people working behind the scenes doing food prep, cleaning, our shoppers and delivery people, drivers, people working in factories continue to produce the things we all needed to live on. These people had to keep showing up for work, sometimes risking their lives because of the pandemic. If we got rid of the racism, the social hierarchy, the cheap labor, would capitalism be able to survive? Who cares? Why aren't people the most important thing? And why isn't that the most important part about how we create systems? A lot of the capitalists at the top of the pyramid and even in between, those aspiring to climb closer to the top, believe that taking out racism and sexism so that people are treated more equally and aren't underpaid, that that would undermine essential elements of capitalism, which basically are their huge profits. To them, that's the most important thing. And about the way immigrants and people of other cultures or countries are used, Our system of capitalism grows multinational companies that are able to go anywhere they have to in order to grow their wealth the fastest ways possible. Which means use the cheapest labor wherever they can find it, which, you know, it's not slavery, but it's close. Mm -hmm. Borders of states and countries are one of the ways capitalists control and hoard wealth and other resources. Nations compete in a hierarchy of power and influence. Certain people are seen as disposable, just much less important. People have gone along with the whole border thing because you do get some benefits from being a citizen of a place. We've traded that in, in a sense, for some of our freedom in moving around. But as we've talked about before, when white people stole the United States, black people weren't part of the people getting benefits from being citizens. For too long, they weren't even considered citizens at all. Yeah, basically, in forming the United States, the white guys agreed they were all equal, unlike women, Black people, immigrants, or anybody else. They seem to have pretty much patted themselves on the back about the great work they've done in creating a world where they could sit back to collect from the hard work of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the borders are wide open for the very rich. Have you ever heard of a golden passport? No. I never heard of that. I was reading about it. Over a hundred countries offer golden passports in exchange for millions or sometimes a mere hundreds of thousands. So by making an investment into the country, people with money can buy residency, immigration, even citizenship. Many of them are high level white collar criminals looking for a place to hide out. I don't know, maybe it's not just white collar. I don't know what kind of criminals they are. You know, living the high life, getting free visas, free travel, citizenship in another country. I guess it's a good way to hide their money, too. Oh, yeah. So we're okay with free movement for some people, but not for others, based on money. I mean, I'm not, but our capitalist country supports this. 
there are more important things like helping people feel safe, protecting them, keeping them alive. Like that seems like, yeah, a good reason to let people into your country. Yeah. As long as black people have second-class status, are exploited and disrespected, we'll have systemic racism. This is what's at the heart of the routine killing of African-Americans by police. And like you said, of mass incarceration of black men and widespread voter suppression. Exactly, Cindy. Ending racial exploitation would somehow also have to include reversing the ongoing economic effects of colonialism and slavery, which are still ongoing through reparations of some kind. Reparations of the people, not of the banks and the you know top capitalists. Who don't need it. <laughs> they don't need that. Changes need to go deep in order to get rid of the roots. They can't just be symbolic. I mean, it's great, you know, that people are taking down statues and banning Confederate symbols, renaming institutions named after racist figures. That has to all happen. Mm -hmm. But we also have to address the wealth gap, employment rates, healthcare and life expectancy, environmental racism, and we have to reform the educational system. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we have to acknowledge that we all work in some way, whether we're paid or not, whether taking care of children or on an, a job in a different place from home or whatever, we all do essential tasks that contribute to producing wealth and help make the world go around. But private people collect the contributions and accumulate the money, and that is capitalism. There's just so much work to be done to make a place that cares for everyone a place we'd all actually want to live in and work for. We could help people in the same way that we bail out businesses. And boy, we've spent a lot of money bailing out businesses in the last, you know, since 08. And way before that, this country's always bailed out businesses. Mm -hmm. Those with huge amounts of money and big businesses could be involved in giving back to people that it has taken from directly and indirectly, of course. They could fund cooperatives, community land trusts, I don't know, open up free beachfronts. <laughs> they could lead green initiatives or reimagine in many ways, just public health and public safety. Capitalism wants and needs a lot of people to work and consume. So discriminating against the workers or the buyers doesn't make good business sense, especially for large corporations. So capitalists stay on top of liberal issues in whatever way will help them to maintain or increase their bottom line. If that means targeting their marketing to gay people or black people, that's what they do. They might even seem transformed by adding diversity to their leadership. Or at least the word diversity. Yes. And this does improve opportunity for some people of color, but it doesn't address fundamental problems of the exploitation of others. Plus, while leadership is becoming more diverse, capitalism exploits leadership anyway. That's how we now have a lot of policies and big businesses that on the surface seem liberal and democratic, but at the core, they are still sexist, racist, and contributing to that pyramid scheme. There's still only a tiny space at the top of that pyramid for people who control the means of production. There's no room for most people to be given a fair share of the wealth that they actually produce. So in conclusion, <laughs> <laughs> Ibram X. Kendi, author and founding director of the Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center at American University. I think he may have moved too. 
He may have. He's been at a few different schools. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, talks about racism and capitalism and suggests that being anti-racist but not being anti-capitalist is basically not anti-racist at all. And we would suggest that his book is a great place to start in learning more about this whole issue. I totally agree, Cindy. How to Be an Anti-Racist is a really good, simple to read, you know, very clear and clarifying book. Thank you for hanging in there with us and trying to understand this complicated web of stuff that we tried to cover today. Web of stuff. I was going to say mess, but web of stuff sounds much more professional. So <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time. Take care. <laughs>